Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Today we wanted to continue with our topic. Now we're teaching on a marriage, marriage series, the roles of a biblical successful marriage. And you can listen to the messages on, a, on our website, also the series that came before this was a foundational series on marriage. You can listen to that also. And today we're on our third message on the roles of a husband. And we call that title the imitating child who is the servant leader. The imitating child who is the servant leader. And we talked about the imitating child on the back of your bulletin, you should have the roles that I've gone over so far. Uh, it's about ten things that maybe we've covered. I don't know how many is on there, but I, I covered that so I don't, don't have to really uh, go over that. I just want you to see it. And you can I put scriptures with it also that we've covered. So you can review that anytime you want to. Today, we're going to get more of the second part of that, the servant leader. But I'm going, to, I'm going to give you one point today, and I might get to two, but I think probably one point today. And of that point, I want to bring out about four different things about the, that one point. We want to talk today about headship. Headship. That's what we want to talk about today. That's one of the roles, one of the most important roles, I think, of a husband. Headship. Headship. Now, the, the whole series, foundational scripture I went through was from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 and 32. Let's start there and read that again because I want everything's going to be based on that. Everything that we reference to on marriage is going to be based on those to scriptures, we know that for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined or cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. That's from Genesis. The scripture we're talking about, this is a, this mystery is great. It's a mystery. But I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. And we'll say that Christ and the church is our key to what we're trying to reflect. In our marriages, we're trying to reflect Christ and the church. Each individual person in that marriage is trying to reflect Christ because it says uh, in the scripture, uh, we went through that in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, be imitators of God as beloved children. And so we do want to imitate Christ. And that's the first part of the title. And I did that because <clears throat> this title, because it's very important for us to understand that if I'm going to lead anyone, I have to properly lead that person. So if I'm going to lead Minerva, I have to properly be able to lead her in a proper direction, in a proper place. And so I need to imitate my head, and that's Jesus Christ, so I get all my instructions from Christ. 
So that's why I call the, the husband's role the imitating child. I have to imitate Christ as a beloved child. And if I do that, I think I am doing pretty good in my leadership because we are talking about Christ and the church. So if we are talking about Christ and the church in our marriages, uh, we said our marriage is supposed to reflect it. It's supposed to be a metaphor of it. It's supposed to be a, a parable of it. It's supposed to be an example of it. When people see Minerva's our marriage, they're supposed to see Christ in the church. If that's true, then I should take my role, my key should be from Christ. Also, Jesus said, uh, he who has seen me has seen the Father. That's in John 14:9. So if, if, we have, if you have seen me, you've seen Christ. If you've seen us, you've seen Christ in the church. That's what we want. So that's, that's the backdrop of where we're coming from. So when I said the headship, let's talk a little bit about headship. Let's look at it in, um, let's turn back just a couple of verses to Ephesians 5:23. Headship. Headship. What are we talking about when we talk about headship? Well, it says in, in verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. Now, headship, I'm taking my headship from Christ. What do we mean by headship? So the first thing that we're going to talk about headship during the whole message. That's the only thing we're going to talk about, headship. And I said we'll try to cover four points. I don't think we're going to get to five, but I'm pretty sure we'll get to four, maybe. Now let's, <laughs> let's, let's talk about headship. Definition. Point one, definition. Headship. What are we talking about? Well, that word head that's there, if you look it up in the Greek, it, it'll tell you that he's talking about that word means chief, chief. You know, like Long Ranger, Indians, you know, Custard, whatever, <laughs> you know, chief. Indians have chief, okay, chief. We know about chief, chief of state, chief. That word means chief. It also has a connotation that this head has someone subordinate to that head. Generally, it means leader, ruler. That's what it, that's what it is in, the, in Greek. Okay, I want to use the word, I think that the best word we can use to describe a husband's headship over his wife is the word leader, because that's still one of the Greek uh, meanings of head, leader. That's what that word means. So let's go with a definition that I think would be really, really good that we can do. We're going to put that on the, it's on the screen there. It says, headship is the God-ordained, and I put every word that's important. It's important, just the way it reads. Headship is the God-ordained responsibility of a husband to take the primary initiative for Christ-like behavior and 
servant leadership. Okay, um, let's look at the first part. Headship is a God-ordained, God-ordained. When we read the scripture here, it tells us, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife. Now, that's scripture. Scripture is God-breathed. We'll get to that in a minute. So, that means that who has ordained the husband to have headship over his wife? Is it the husband who decided that he's the head? Is it the community who decided? Is it their parents who decided? Who decided that the husband is the head? God. So that's why it says God ordained. Now, I said it's a God-ordained responsibility. I first had the word role. I said it's a God-ordained role. And I, I, I changed it from role because when we think of somebody has a role, we think of actors, actresses. We think of somebody who's uh, just acting like they are in this position, but they're not. Uh, I don't think that's what we want. Uh, position, I could have used the word position. God ordained position. But position is not a good word because, to me, because position is just that. It's stagnant. It's a position. See, God doesn't mean for a headship to be a position. He doesn't mean for it to be a just a, a role that a person is playing. He means for it to be some action. So the best word we could use in, in that that I felt was responsibility. Because the responsibility means that there is something to do. Okay. Okay. So headship is the God-ordained responsibility of a husband. And we say a husband, let's change that, that word. We know we're talking about marriage now, okay? Of a man in the marriage to a woman, okay, I, oh, that's not there, but it's there in my head, okay? <laughs> because it's very, it's, that's very important in this, in this society, okay? Headship is a God ordained responsibility of a man in a marriage to a woman, okay, to take. Now, I use the word take. That's very important now. That take doesn't mean like you're stealing something. It doesn't mean like you're going to grab it and snatch it away from the person. It doesn't mean that. It means that you are receiving. That's, that's, a, that's a better word there. It means receiving. See, if it's God-ordained, responsibility, then a husband has to receive from God his responsibility, doesn't he? See? So when I say take, I mean receive because if you refuse it, because we can refuse it, if we refuse it, we are saying, God, I don't care what you are telling me that I need to do. I'm not going to do it. 
But I say that headship, in the very word headship, means that you have something to do and you have received something from somebody higher than you to do that. Okay? So you need to take it. You need to receive it, in other words. Your wife can't give it to you. You can't take it from her. You will receive it from God because it's God ordained. The next part of that, that word there, uh, that, that definition, primary. That's important. Because when we say primary, it tells him, me, us as men, that we are not the only ones who have any responsibility. It means we have the, the bulk of it. We, have the, we are the primary ones. We are the main ones that God has given the responsibility to. And you'll see it as, as we go along. Uh, uh, we know uh, wisdom-wise that, 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 that if you say, and you know it would be incorrect in the Scripture, that women don't have any responsibility. You know, they don't have any responsibility. God hasn't given them anything. But you know that's not true. Okay? So it's to receive or take the primary initiative. I use the word initiative. I had I had responsibility where I had initiative. I changed it. Um, the initiative. Initiative. Oh, that's so important. It's so important. Because I, a lot of times, don't like to take initiative to do things. I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I don't like to take initiative. Um, the grass outside my house has to let me know it needs cutting. I do not take the initiative. And a lot of times my nice wife tells me, because uh, she sometimes maybe thinks that my eyes are closed. <laughs> the grass needs cutting, sweetheart. <laughs> she calls him Ray. Ready to grass knee cutting. Okay, grass knee cutting. We take initiative to do things we want to do, don't we? Nobody has to tell me when it's time to eat. When it's time to eat. And if we have desserts, you don't have to say nothing. You don't even have to call me. I'm asking. Right? Some things we don't need uh, anybody to prompt us. Is that right, men? But God says that headship is me giving you responsibility. You need to receive it and you need to take the primary initiative for Christ-like behavior. That's important. Christ-like behavior. Take the initiative. Take the initiative. You are the primary initiative one. You're the primary. You take. You want to take the primary initiative for that, and for servant leadership. For both. For both. That means that God did not give the wife the primary responsibility 
the primary initiative for Christ-like behavior or for servant leadership. And you say, well, I don't know about that. Well, if you look at Christ in the church, tell me, how much Christ-like behavior have we shown before Christ showed it to us and, and helped us and gave us grace to do it, do it, right? He, Christ, is the one that took all the initiative, didn't he? He gave us grace to be saved. Also, is him at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It's him at work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's him taking the initiative to help us move along the line of sanctification. The church doesn't take the initiative, the primary initiative. There's something we have to do. That's why I said the primary responsibility, the primary initiative. So that means that men, if our wives are not acting like they should, if our wives are not acting Christ-like, that doesn't give us any reason not to be Christ-like ourselves. No reason. Because headship in itself tells us that God has given the man the responsibility, the primary responsibility, the primary initiative to be Christ-like in their behavior. So the, the wife can act ugly. You know, sometimes we say they can act ugly, you know, be in the flesh. That doesn't give us any right to get in the flesh ourselves, men, husbands. It doesn't. It doesn't. How many times have you, each of you and me, been in the flesh? And if you haven't been in the flesh, just so I know that you're dead, raise your hand. <laughs> now, tell me how many times, just how many times have you seen Christ in the flesh, our head? Do, do you see what I'm talking about? That, that's why it's a mystery. That's why he says that, uh, and he revealed the mystery to us. And that's why we have been missing it so much in our marriages. That's why um, the marriage is in the state it is today because we, haven't, we didn't have the revelation of what God has been showing us. And he's saying that, no, 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 you, you don't do that. You have headship. You have headship. You can't do that. You can't do that. You see, we will, uh, we will get in the flesh if our wives get in the flesh. Or if, if, if we get in the flesh, our wives get in the flesh. If our wives get in the flesh, we get in the flesh. We just flesh all over the place, you know. And so until the time where you, you have this separation, you have this divorce, you have this, all this stuff going on because it's flesh, flesh, flesh. But God says that, no, I don't care what the wife, I don't care what she does. It doesn't matter what she does. It's your responsibility as a head, 
as the head to be shown the initiative for Christ-like behavior and servant-like leadership. You see? And we don't want to serve our wives if she's acting ugly, right? It doesn't come natural to our flesh, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't come natural. That's why Christ tells us that we have to men be like him. We have to be on our knees. We have to be praying. We have a lot of weight on us. But the weight is not something that we can't carry because his um, father in the Lord is not grievous. It's not something to be uh, just a, a, a toy type of thing. It's a pleasure to follow Christ. Yeah. Now that's the definition of headship. And one thing we got to know is that point number, on this one point, this second issue under that one point, the one point is headship. We're talking about headship. The first point was that um, we have to know the definition. Second point is that some people may say, oh, that was before the, that was after the fall that man has headship. Because you, you have some uh, women who uh, they want to be equal with men and say it wasn't like that at the beginning. Well, um, let's just, for the fun of it, entertain two little scriptures. And because, <laughs> uh, and this is what I used to use all the time, but I don't need to use that anymore, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Let's go down. And in that verse there, uh, we'll see in those verses, we'll, we'll start there. It says, Then the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden in, in, uh, toward the east of Eden, in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Then it says, out of the ground, the Lord God, this is in verse 19, formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them, and, and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called them and the living creature that was his name. And any time you name somebody, um, you have, uh, you, you're, you're pretty much uh, over that, over, that, over, over who, who you name. In, in, in the Bible, that's, that's basically what it is. And then he says in verse 20, and man gave names to all the Calvin, so he did that. Verse 21, and God calls a sleep, fall on the man, and then he took this um, from his rib and built a woman. We went through that. And man says in verse 23, that this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman uh, because she was taken out of man. And in verse, chapter 3, verse 20, now the man called his wife's name Eve. So who named who? Did, did Eve name Adam? No. 
this is just just information we're giving you, just for fun. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's go there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's a very interesting thing because I want I to share with you that headship is not something that you can say, oh, anybody can do that. Yeah, well, anybody can't do it because this is not what God has ordained. In verse 1 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, Be imitators of me, just as I am also of Christ. And we know it's talking about Apostle Paul talking. Now, I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. And the traditions would be the divine, uh, those, those doctrines, the, the, the ordinances, the, the teachings uh, of divine or ordering that, that Paul was giving them. And it says here, verse 3, this is important, but I want you to understand that Christ is the head of every man. That word man is a word that can be used for man, it can be used for a husband, and, in, and it, it, it depends upon the context. In this context, it means husband. Okay, uh, He's the head of a husband, and the husband is the head of the wife, that word woman, is, is it, it can mean woman, it can mean wife. It means wife in this context. You know the man is not uh, uh, ahead of every woman, okay? So uh, you know that. So it is, this, this, is, this is the context. Now, listen to this now. And God is the head of Christ. Now, just think. Christ has a head. Why are we upset because Christ says, I'm the head of the husband, and the husband is the head of the wife? Why would we get upset? Why do we want equality when Christ is not grappling for equality, uh, even though God is one God, within three persons, uh, but they have different responsibilities, and we know that it says God is the head of Christ. So if he's not complaining, why should we be complaining? Then it says over here in verse 7, it's just same chapter 11, for a man ought not to have his head covered since he is the image and the glory of God, but the woman is the glory of man, uh, for man does not originate from woman, but woman from man. For indeed, man is, was not created for the woman's sake, but the woman was, was, was for the man's sake. Therefore, the woman ought to have her symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. However, the Lord neither is, however, in the Lord, neither is woman independent of man, nor is man independent of a woman. In this, right, because it says, for as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth through the woman, and all things originate from God. So it sets things in order, so man won't be puffed up, woman won't get, be puffed up, but he says there's a creation order. And we read it. There's a creation order. There's a creation order. And he says that this is what we have here. Now, I, I said, it, well, let's talk about it just for fun's sake. 
I said that because really you don't have to you don't have to do that once you understand that Christ is really in a marriage. He's talking about Christ in the church. So why even go there to have to prove anything when God has said what he has said? You know, you know that the church is not going to say, well, Christ, I think that was probably after the fall, after sin, that you're my head. You're the head of the church. I think we should both be heads. Who, who in their right mind would say something like that? Nobody. Well, in marriage, if he's talking about Christ in the church, who in their right mind would say, Christ, I don't receive that as a, a, a man being my head, my husband being my head. I'm just as important as he is. We both be heads. Who in their right mind going to say that if they know the scripture that says that I'm not in this marriage, I'm not talking about, you know, this, this little marriage right here as the, as the, as the end thing. This is just a type and shadow of Christ in the church. If we talk about Christ in the church, you don't have a, you don't, it's not, it's no discussion, is it? It's no discussion. He already said God has just said it. So, point number three in that one point, under that one point, bullet point, under that would be in 2 Timothy 3.16, we'll start in 15 though. Let's turn there. It tells us something that when I saw this scripture, I said, this settles everything for me. I mean, this is, this, is, this is it for me. It says, and that from childhood, this is Paul talking to Timothy, and he says that, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture... That means every part of it, the whole part of it, all scripture is inspired. That word inspired in Greek is mean God breathed. God breathed. All scripture is God breathed and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And marriage is a good work, isn't it? It's a good work. A good work. Because God says so. It's not good for man to be alone. So it's a good work. We, don't, we, we, we have, in society, have made it a good work, but it's a good work if we do it the way God said. Now, that settled everything for me because it said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23, that, man, you are the head of your wife, the husband's the head of the wife, just as Christ is of the church. Then that settled it. Headship, now, some of the things that the, the last point I, I want to make, 
which is the fourth one. What does headship mean and doesn't mean? Headship does not mean that I am more intelligent than Minerva. It doesn't mean that. Because anybody knows that she is more intelligent than I am. Didn't know us, you know. She's, she's, uh, she's pretty smart. It doesn't mean, and you know that. You know that some of the women, man, they, they can, man, goodness gracious, you know, come on. Am I right, women? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Checking the school out, you know, to see who the valedictorian and all these people, you know, and uses a lot of times women. They're smart. Apply themselves. It doesn't mean that they, that because God said I'm the head, that I'm more valuable than Minerva. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that the wife is less valuable than the husband. It doesn't mean that he's uh, more intelligent. It doesn't mean anything except what he said. I have ordained you to be head. So what God did in the beginning, all he was doing was creating man, building woman, and making the whole institution of marriage to reflect the bigger picture of Christ in the church. He was doing that in the beginning. He had that in his mind in the beginning. So you say, well, how about the fall? I mean, how about he said that, you know, uh, the woman's desire going to be for her husband and whatever that desire may mean. And I've looked it up in the Hebrew and, and, and that another time is used is when uh, Cain was uh, acting foolish and, and, and all that, had a bad attitude about his offering and stuff like that. And God said, you know, sin is crouching at, at your door and it wants to rule over you, you know. Uh, but see, regardless of what it means and what it doesn't mean, we are born again, so therefore we don't have to be concerned about all of what that ruling over means. We know that because of sin, men tend to try to lord over anything. We do. We do. And we'll tear up anything, usually. Uh, when, when the boys, you know, little boys, little boys, they, they usually do that. You know, uh, they get the little, little sister's doll and pull the head off and snatch the arms off, you know. They, they, they're, they're rough. Tear the wheels off their little trucks, you know. They're just rough, you know. But as, as human beings, we all want to rule somebody. Really, really, we do. We want somebody to be, we want to be su- superior to somebody. And it's that way in society, really. I mean, you look at, you look at any religious group and, and, and look at any ethnic group, you look at somebody wants to be above somebody else. And in, in, in the Bible, God says, look, I'm going to make man, we're going to make man in our image, uh, male and female, we're going to make them, they're going to have dominion, and that dominion is the same word like rule, that rule, over fish, creeping things, cattle. 
not over each other. And what we try to do a lot of times, men-wise, we want to, I'm the head. I rule. Yeah, right, you know. And then they got, you got a knot on the head, and they wonder <laughs> why that hit them. <laughs> no, we don't have to, we don't, that's not a servant leader. See, a servant leader, that's the part of the headship. Headship is the primary one. Let me tell you something. When, when you all get out of source with each other, somebody's mad at each other, somebody's usually wrong, right? When it's the woman's responsibility, she's wrong. She, she did something wrong. Who should be the one to come ask for forgiveness? Who should be the first one? And most people say, well, this is a woman. I mean, she's the first one. God said the one who is head should be the responsible one to take the initiative for Christ-like behavior. Didn't it? Well, what does Christ do? Did, let's, let's look at the one that, let's say, look at uh, Hosea. Let's just, 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 just look. Hosea. Hosea, you know, he was married to, to, the, to the prostitute, and she went off and did her things, all that stuff. Did the, did the, did the, did the woman come, because, you know, it's talking about Christ in the church, but did the woman come to Hosea? Hosea, take me back! What did God tell Hosea? Go get her. Go get her. What did, what did God do to Israel all during the, 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 the Bible? He, he, Israel didn't do what he wanted to. He put them in captivity. Who went and got them? God. Before he even, when he sent them, before he sent them in captivity, he already said, I'm going to bring you out. God is a God forgiver. How, how many times did he say, you should forgive one another? Seven times 70, didn't he? This is God saying this now. And it's God breathing the word of God. God, how many times does God forgive us? Every single time we come to him, First John 1, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Isn't it? See, women, you don't want headship because God hasn't ordained headship for you. He loves you. And it's a lot of weight on headship, sisters, I'm telling you, because that is hard to do. When you know somebody's wrong, when you know somebody's acting ugly, when you know they're not doing what they're supposed to do, and yet you have to be a servant leader, you have to be the initiative, show the initiative to say, hey, sweetheart, you know what? I know you, you're upset uh, with me uh, uh, because I asked you, uh, why did you spend the money when I told you not to spend it? <laughs> but I want to let you know that I love you and I want this thing to, to, to be peace in this family. I want to be peace there. We have to show the initiative to that. Show the initiative. As we get ready to take 
uh, receive communion, let me read one scripture for you in, 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 in Ephesians. This is what God wants for, for us as, as, as husbands. He wants it for everybody. This, this is a particular husband. Chapter 4, verse 1. It, it says here, it's so good. I mean, it's, oh, it is so good. It says, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore. I mean, I'm just, I just, oh, man, I'm just, you know, beseech you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called. That worthy, you remember I told you that when on a message before, that worthy is like a scale, and, 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 and God, what he's done for us is on this end. He said, I want you to, on this end of the scale, I want you to walk in a manner worthy to try to balance this thing out. And you know we can't balance it out, but he said, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of you trying to balance this thing out, you see. That's what worthy means. Of the calling which you've been called with all humility men and gentleness men and patience men showing tolerance men for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. That's what God wants us to do. He doesn't want us going to bed angry with one another. Men show the initiative to make up. I don't care if you weren't wrong. I don't care if I was not the one wrong. I'm supposed to show the initiative to make up, and that will hurt the flesh. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Nobody wants to, wants to be the first one because they say, I'm the only one. I, when I do marriage counseling, sometimes they say, how often does, does she um, uh, come to you to ask for forgiveness? Never. Never. I'm the, I'm the one that always asks for forgiveness. She'll never ask for forgiveness. What would God say to that? So what? You're the head. You are the head. Woo! My goodness gracious. That is awesome. You know that? That's awesome. Because, see, I'm talking about Christ and the church, am I not? See? Now, now that makes men might, might not want to get married if it's going to be this way. You know, but no, marriage is a good thing. You just got to, you know, uh, you have to be what God's calling you to be. Now, next week, what we're going to do, uh, we got, um, uh, I told you I was going to try to do one more message on the men, and we didn't get one message on the women because the men need three. Well, uh, <laughs> we're just going to do a Mother's Day message next week. We'll just do a Mother's Day message next week. And then we'll come back and do... I'll finish up on the men because we're talking about Christ now. Christ is, Christ is big now, isn't it? So we're talking about Christ. Is it okay, men, if, if I talk a little bit more to you? Because, uh, you know, I got <laughs> to build you up, see? I got to, you know, once it, like, like, like the prophet, you got you know, you tear down, but you got to build up too, you know? You got to build up, so I got to build you up there. You know, so, and then we'll get to, the, to, to our women, okay? Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you.
The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.